G'day, I'm Rowan Mackey, and I'm joined by my dad, clinical psychologist Chris Mackey, and this is Psych Spiels and Silver Linings. G'day, Dad. How are you doing today? Good, thanks, Rowan. Good to be with you again. Absolutely. Now, I'm excited to be talking to you today about a topic which is actually the subject of your book, isn't it? So, I suppose it's one we've held on to for a little while, but we've called today's episode Synchronicity and Psychology. So, do you want to give us a bit of a a rundown? What are we going to be talking about today? Okay, well, it's about my favourite topic, as you know, about synchronicity and meaningful coincidence. And I think there are a lot of ways that we can draw on meaningful coincidences to help our well-being, and that's where it's relevant to psychology, but also understanding life more deeply. I think that there is a soul dimension in life, a spiritual or soul dimension, and I think that noticing meaningful coincidences and synchronicity, that can help us tap into that soul dimension. Well, it's interesting because, you know, we're a family that didn't necessarily grow up with much religion in the household and that sort of thing, but I think it's potentially a common thing in our society for people to, for example, have grown up without organised religion these days. So I think one thing that's interesting about synchronicity and some of this sort of stuff is it's an exploration into spirituality in a way that doesn't necessarily rely on an organised religion as such. Yes, about 30% of people in the Western world would identify as being spiritual without being religious. And I think that maybe we relate to that. I'd certainly relate to that kind of definition. And also, about 40% of people at least would believe in paranormal phenomena. For example, a number of people would believe in precognition, being able to anticipate the future in some ways, or a number of people would believe in spirits or ghosts of some form. But of the paranormal phenomena, Synchronicity or meaningful coincidence as being more than chance, that's one of the most common beliefs that people have. Probably about 40% of people have some kind of belief in that. And so what is synchronicity? You mentioned meaningful coincidence, but yeah, what actually is it? Well, synchronicity can be any meaningful coincidence, but it's especially if it's quite unlikely or uncanny. That's when we would talk especially of strong synchronicity or noticing it even more. But it also connects our inner and outer worlds. So there's some connection between something happening in your mind and something outside. For example, thinking of someone that you haven't seen for a very long time and then they contact you soon afterwards. Or it might be a clock stopping just at the time that its owner dies. Or it could be that you're facing some really challenging problem and then something amazing happens to help you solve that problem. And if that happened in a very unlikely or amazing way, almost miraculous way, then we would call that strong synchronicity. Well, it's going to be interesting to chat with you about some of the practical examples of synchronicity because some of the stories that you've told me over the years are just absolutely incredible, some of them. But it's interesting looking at this concept because, you know, it's not necessarily a concept or a notion that everyone relates to as such in terms of like, for example, the word synchronicity. But it's interesting how often, I suppose, it comes up with whether it be friends who, as I say, don't necessarily have a explicit interest in this area but for example it might come up where you say like that is just spooky (laughs) like in terms of like how on earth can that happen in that sort of way where that outcome is produced at that time and it just sort of leaves you with a bit of a I suppose almost just that kind of almost bit of a shiver down your spine and just in terms of uh, the unlikeliness of something like that happening to you and then the meaning that it has for you from that so I suppose that's almost how I'd see it in a little way 
in terms of that idea of how often you come across something that you kind of go, that is so spooky. <laughs> it's a good word for it, isn't it? The most amazing experiences do seem spooky. And one thing I found really interesting a number of years ago is I wanted to get a sense of how many people or how often do people have some kind of amazing coincidence like this that they might necessarily tell other people because it can seem too weird or too unbelievable. So as you know, Rowan, uh, for my 60th birthday, one thing that to me would have been the best gift, and so I asked people for this, is to tell a synchronicity story by writing a note about an experience that they'd had and putting it in a synchronicity jar. So set up a a large glass jar, the synchronicity jar, and people came along and for a gift, if people had a story to tell, they would leave a note with a story on it. And they were the most amazing stories. And 40 out of 100 people, 40% of people had a story that they put in the synchronicity jar. And they're amazing kind of stories, most unlikely, like having a dream about someone that the person hadn't seen for 20 years and then encountering them very soon afterwards. Or a person who was going through America and someone said, oh, I've got a friend who's visiting America, Uh, you'll probably run into them. And then even without knowing what they looked like, this person did find that person in America, they ran across them at a hostel in Washington. So just amazing stories. So if people are interested in reading about examples of synchronicity, there's a blog called Synchronicity in a Jar on the website at synchronicityunwrapped.com.au. And I've written up lots of these stories that people describe to me about the amazing synchronicity that they had. And I think that shows it's more common than we would think because 40% of people had these stories and many of them were just amazing. And we may even hear some of those stories throughout the podcast today because I think when it comes to synchronicity, it's some of the stories and just the, I suppose, incredible unlikeliness of of the stories and what people are able to gain out of them that I suppose really has the meaning for me. So I'm really looking forward to talking to you about a few of those. But as Dad said, synchronicityunwrapped.com.au is the website uh, for that blog and a whole range of other blogs on synchronicity that Dad updates regularly on there as well. So please feel free to check that out. But Dad, before we go any further, I think it'd be worth clarifying with you, what's the difference between synchronicity or an example of synchronicity and just a coincidence, for example, because coincidences are things that come up regularly. Yes, I think it's how uncanny it is and how it stands out. Like you were suggesting, the most amazing synchronicity, it makes the hair stand out on the back of your neck. And I'll give a couple of examples that came up. On the day I started writing the second edition of my book, The Positive Psychology of Synchronicity. So I'm sitting down there in early January. Most people would not have known that that was the day I'm starting to write a book. And three people contacted me out of the blue to tell me amazing stories of synchronicity on the morning that I'm about to write about it. So there's a meaningful coincidence in that. Like I'm trying to get primed to write about this topic that might be seen as controversial. People wonder, is it real or whatever? And these three examples come up and I'll I'll describe two of them. One was from my very good friend and mentor, Ross. Ross rang me that morning and he said, I've got another story for you. And I was very much looking forward to this because Ross has fantastic stories, many of which I've written about. But this was when Ross was at home and he had his oven go on the blink and he needed to have his oven fixed. And it was hard to get a tradesman to come around at Christmas, so he's leaving it till sometime in January. And he knew that an electrician was going to come within a two-week period. 
He also had some friends who were going to visit him around this time in early January, but he didn't know exactly when they were going to arrive on a particular day. It turned out his friends arrived and he was with them on the back deck of his house and this was the same time the electrician arrived. So he needed to excuse himself from his friends and go in and talk to the electrician about the oven who explained that he would need to replace the oven. And Ross said, look, is there any particular brand that you would recommend that I get? And the electrician said, a Bosch, a Bosch oven, I would suggest. Anyway, Ross went back to his friends and they said, oh, what was that about? And Ross said, oh, it just turns out I need to have my oven replaced. And they said to Ross, well, we might be able to help you with that. We have a spare oven. We were going to do up our kitchen which we no longer went ahead with that renovation because we moved elsewhere, and we have this spare oven. It's a Bosch. Now, one of the things that was amazing about that is it was most unlikely that they were going to be there at the same time as the electrician, who could have come any time in a two-week period, and they could have arrived any time that day. So there are a number of different layers of that kind of synchronicity, and that seems to be an example of the universe provides Many people have stories where it seems uncanny. It's almost like there's this other benevolent force looking to help something happen. And the second example I'll mention just shows how unlikely a coincidence can be. And it was from a reader who got in touch that day, sent an email, and he told me about how he used to visit the Tarawara Abbey. So in the Yarra Valley, he used to go there on weekends to read up on history books. Well, one time he took a friend, and it was on the Melbourne Cup weekend, And they're talking in the car as they're driving to the Yarra Valley. And at one stage he says to his friend, oh, by the way, at this abbey, there's meant to be a psychic monk. They thought that was a bit strange. So his friend, sort of playing on a little bit, he sort of says, well, how would you know if a monk is psychic? And then this fellow says, well, look, maybe if we see him riding a wooden rocking horse. Yes, yes, then he'd be psychic. And they both have a bit of a laugh because they're just talking ridiculous stuff, really. Anyway, they arrive at the Abbey, and I think that they're meant to be about more than 20 monks there, but the one who answers the door is this so-called psychic monk. Well, they go inside and they sit near a fire, and it's a bit awkward because the psychic monk is silent. This used to be a Trappist kind of monastery, so they were used to silence kind of thing. The monk's just sitting there, and they're feeling a bit awkward on either side, so one of them breaks the silence and asks the monk, how would you describe the nature of God? And he says, well, it's a bit like this. And soon they see that the monk is kind of moving back and forth on his chair a bit. And he's really rocking back and forth. And then after a while they really see that he's really rocking back and forth on this wooden chair, acting like he's got a whip in his hand, like he's whipping a racing horse, and then sort of like whipping this horse. And then then he sits back and he said, well, God is a bit like a rider on a horse. He'll often keep the reins fairly tight, but sometimes, or with some people, it can let them out a little bit more. Now, that was just so unlikely, that event, and I think that's where synchronicity comes in. You just wouldn't fathom that that would happen. It just seems it's too uncanny to explain just by random chance, and I think there is a meaning in terms of a 
rider on a horse. I related to Freud talking about the psyche being like a rider on a horse and Plato talked about the soul as being like the rider on a winged horse or the rider on a winged chariot. There's more detail that I go into in the book about that but the main thing is it was such an uncanny coincidence and so it did strike me as well that that came up when I was starting to write the second edition And it turned out that there were many themes that came up in that edition that related to a rider on a horse. It actually led me to understand more the significance of Plato's writings that I could weave into the book. So just uncanny again that those coincidences happened on the first day that I was writing. And so one thing I'm interested in then is how commonly accepted is synchronicity as a theory? Because I suppose from what you've described there, I suppose I'll put my kind of sceptic's negative hat on here for a second. I suppose you could look at a number of cognitive biases, for example, that could potentially tie in. For example, probability bias in terms of you look at the probability of all the events in the world, well, eventually they're likely to come up sometime, even if it's one in a billion sort of thing. Or or even, for example, uh, confirmation bias, you may be looking out for things a little bit more, or even attention bias, like that thing, for example, if you hear a word for the first time, you might hear it come up a couple of times over the next couple of weeks. So I suppose how many people relate to the idea of synchronicity as being more than just a regular coincidence in that sense? Well, I think there's a difference between how the general public responds to that and, say, in the field of psychology. So, as we were talking about earlier, I think about 40% of people in the general public would relate to that. Even in a recent economics magazine, they found, for example, that 50% of women in the United States believe in ghosts. So, there's a much more common belief in paranormal phenomena or transpersonal phenomena in the general public than we would usually realise. But just say in the field of psychology, there's not so much acceptance of this. For example, a few years ago at the World Congress of Cognitive and Behavioural Therapies, a few of us were presenting at a seminar on cognitive behavioural therapy and spirituality. And there would have only been about a dozen people there. So there were probably one and a half thousand people attending the conference, a couple of thousand people attending the conference, and the spirituality topic was not so popular. But what I would say is that's changing, and it's changing rapidly over recent years. And interestingly now, Martin Seligman, so the founder of Positive Psychology, he starts talking openly now about some of his own transpersonal beliefs. For example, now he describes that he sees Positive Psychology as a sacred mission. He describes that he's long thought that he's had a calling and that he believes in destiny. And I think it's interesting that he highlights research now that over 40% of Americans sampled described that they'd had a religious experience that changed their lives. So clearly there's a transpersonal dimension which is very relevant to many people that has an impact on their lives. But I think a lot of the bias in science and psychology is against acknowledging transpersonal kind of beliefs and as one example of that I talk about Daryl Bem's research on psychic phenomena like precognition he did many different studies on precognition and psychic phenomena and he calculated that there were odds of tens of millions to one against getting the findings that he did by chance now he was a prominent social researcher and professor of psychology but when he presented this data on psychic phenomena The emotional reaction in these journals that are meant to be objective journals, I thought was remarkable. Like I thought being scientific, you're not meant to be so emotional. But people got really, really upset. 
that this prominent researcher in psychology started talking about the validity of psychic phenomena. So I think the bias is the other way. And I'll use another example. William James was a famous American psychologist early last century, and he talked a lot about mystical phenomena. For example, he wrote a book called The Varieties of Religious Experience, and he copped a lot of flack for some of his beliefs. But I think it's relevant that he was the first person to develop a psychology laboratory. He brought science into psychology more than just about any other psychologist of his era. But he also said that he thought that in our academic training, well, this is from 100 years ago, he said it was antithetical to real discovery, meaning he thought that we were taught not to discover or notice things that are genuine and real. And he was partly relating this to mystical phenomena. So in my experience, we're taught in psychology not to notice these kind of things. But because a number of my clients now know that I've written a book on the topic, they tell me more synchronicity stories. They tell me about amazing coincidences, even that have saved their lives. And I've written about a number of these things in a couple of chapters in the book about my clients' stories. Amazing things. And many of them said they would not have told me about their stories because they would have thought that I would have thought they were psychotic or too weird or something like that. And actually, that's one of the reasons why we're talking about on this podcast as well. We're encouraging people to tell their synchronicity stories because many people have them and that's to get around the bias or the prejudice against people having these mystical or spiritual beliefs. Well, it's something that we mentioned in a previous episode on the podcast, I believe in the dissociation episode, talking about the idea that about 100 years ago or so, ideas of intuition and hypnosis and I suppose the, as you say, the transpersonal were a little bit more discussed and a little bit more explored in that sort of sense that they are now. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but I actually find it really interesting in terms of, I believe, Jung and Freud, they obviously had a... a great falling out over their lifetime and part of it was around this idea of mystical phenomenon wasn't it in the sense that Freud was very I suppose neurological in terms of like looking at cognitive behavioral therapy was something that Freud had a big part in and and Freud influenced then psychology to maybe move away from some of the the mystical thought that for example Jung was very interested is that true that maybe even as long ago as psychology's infancy really that it kind of was split down this line Yes, very much so. And so Jung thought that Freud was way too much into sex, focusing on sex the whole time, like the Oedipal complex and all the rest of it, whereas Freud thought that Jung was way too mystical and getting way too woo-woo in his ideas. And interestingly, when Jung went to university, what he noticed is that most of the people that he met at university grew up in the city, whereas he grew up in the country. In the country, they had lots of stories about folk stories and ghosts and different kind of mystical things that Jung thought was kind of normal. That was the kind of you know, language and the stories of people that he lived with. But he noticed how uncommon that was when he got to university in the cities. And so I think that's a bit of a divide as well. And so our culture makes a big difference that way. And, and I think it's relevant that virtually every indigenous culture in the world, well, they all had their shamans and their spiritual healers and their witch doctors or medicine men or guiding their life with a spirit animal, for example, like indigenous cultures tend to have a much more ready and open acceptance of spiritual phenomena, which in a way I think we've been educated out of. 
And so then why is it worth noticing synchronicity? Because like I imagine Freud would have many reasons why it's probably not necessarily worth paying as much attention to. And as I mentioned before, potentially there'd be some skeptics who maybe look at cognitive biases and sort of think, well, they maybe simply don't account for it in their perspective and, and probably do fine. So why is it worth paying attention to some of this sort of stuff? Well, I think there are a number of practical benefits of acknowledging synchronicity that relate to that soul dimension. One of the main things is the extra sense of connection that people get to other people as well as to something larger than ourselves. And this can even include connections with people who have died. It might be that the person comes across an uncanny coincidence that they feel is linked in a way to a spirit of someone who's died. It might even be hearing that person's voice or it might be to do with a a clock stopping at an uncanny time like a lady who wrote to me about how her deceased husband had a favourite number and how a few days after he died, a clock in the lounge room stopped at that exact time of that number and she felt this extra connection with a deceased husband and that gave her comfort. So there's this connection that people can have. I think it's also very affirming for many people. One of the main things that people say about synchronicity is it gives them the feeling of being on the right track. So to me, I see it sometimes as being like a tick from the universe that you're on the right track. So I think it can guide us to our destiny or our calling, for example. So if people choose to have a sudden, for example, shift in career direction, and there might be a really uncanny coincidence that happens at that time, especially one that helps open a door for them or it helps them meet someone who amazingly can help them take some next steps in their career, for example. I think that's another example of the universe provides. So when people believe in synchronicity or see these coincidences as being meaningful rather than just chance, it adds to the feeling of a person's sense of engaging in a calling. And so we know from some of the research in positive psychology from a fellow called Ken Pargament that if people see their work as being a calling or they see a relationship as being meant to be, then that energises people, they manage with stress better, they're more resilient, they enjoy their relationship or their work more. And for many people, their way of feeling there's this numinous or otherworldly quality, like a sacred quality to their work or relationship, for many people it's that experience of having amazing coincidences. So that can be very energising and motivating. And then I think another thing about synchronicity is when we reflect on its meaning or even being open to it, we're using our intuition. And I think so much of our lives and education focus on rationality and rational understanding. I think we tend to underdo a recognition or appreciation of intuition, especially in our education system. So I think one thing about noticing synchronicity and being open to it, it encourages that other side of our ways of knowing, if you like, using our intuition rather than just logic and reason. Well, it's interesting talking about that idea of connection. I've just got a a brief story from my own experience, which I found incredible in that sort of sense. And it was to do with just after my friend passing away. And there was a number of mates who had basically been up to the spot where it happened, not far from where we lived. And we were literally walking back home from the very first time we'd been to sort of see the spot where he'd passed away. And basically he had a tattoo of a balloon. And so the symbol of a balloon, 
had come to indirectly represent him in a way. And we're walking back and one of the boys basically kicks this little bit of wire. And to this day, I've got no idea what it was. It certainly wasn't a clothes hanger. Like it was just a sort of loose bit of wire. But it was twisted round in the shape of a balloon. And it was just incredible because, you know, like maybe I walked past 50 bits of wire, but I never noticed a bit of wire, certainly along that bit of road and the other kind of three years I was living around there. And all the boys kind of, you know, stopped and went like, that's a bloody balloon. And it had like even, you know, the bit at the bottom of the balloon where you'd sort of tie it off. And it was so distinctly a balloon. And that was then something that we could take back to one of our houses and we, we hung it on the wall. So that was then something that we could look at. And it kind of came across our path at just the right time to be able to provide that connection. And, you know, the chance of that happening, you know, it was, it was something that never happened before or after to my knowledge. So that's an example of certainly for us, how it was able to provide that connection. Well, that's a delightful example, and it's got that numinous, otherworldly quality. And something we know about that is if someone else said, oh, look, maybe that was a random event, the wire in the shape of a balloon. Well, people can say that. The point is it had that practical impact and meaning for you. And look, I must admit, I hear so many stories that I see a lot of things that happen like that as being too uncanny to just dismiss as being from random chance. But people can argue about that one way or the other. What we know is that was meaningful to you and you all were prepared to interpret it that way. And I know that the balloon symbol is a very meaningful thing to you and that story explains more about that. Well, I think the thing that it certainly highlights to me is that life is certainly not a case of two plus two equals four in the sense of, I think we're seeing that a little bit at the moment with some of the restrictions in place and that sort of thing in the sense of it's not just a matter of kind of creating a recipe of you do your physical exercise, you eat well, you get your sleep. It's almost like there is a bit more to it. There is that almost like whether it be a kind of call to adventure that's needed or whether it be that sort of kind of spiritual connection. But I think at the end of the day, what it suggests is that particularly at times when things aren't going as well, that there can be a lot gained from almost resigning yourself to the fact that there is, for lack of a better term, a transcendent order out there that's kind of working over and above what you're doing. Because particularly if you're in a bit of a negative headspace, it can be hard to extrapolate that going forward in terms of you thinking, but, you know, I am doing all the right things. I am, you know, eating well, I'm sleeping well, I'm getting me physical exercise in, but there's just something that I'm not able to put the finger on the button in that sort of sense. And to me, synchronicity and to other people who I've spoken about it to, it can at times almost be that like unlock in terms of you're almost kind of stuck in a bit of a rut, for lack of a better term, and then it can provide you with this cue from outside of your perspective that allows you to look at things in a new way or allows you to feel some sense of connection with someone who's not there or a group of people who aren't with you at that time. So I think if nothing else, it just leads you to think a little bit more broadly or at least externalise your perspective a little bit more in that sense. Yes, I think a key thing there that you're describing is how synchronicity can be relevant even at times of pain or difficulty. And we're talking about examples there of grief and loss. But it also reminds me of a profound experience in my own life where synchronicity helped manage a dark time. And it actually relates to the repeated number six. Now, for me, when I first got into synchronicity, it was 
because of reading about synchronicity as a skeptic and then encountering the number six coming up again and again and again in a really weird way. And that's how a number of people get into synchronicity. It might be from experiencing certain numbers like 1111 on a clock again and again and again. Well, for me, it was repeated sixes and specifically around dating Sue, my girlfriend at the time, who of course became my wife and your mother. Well, funnily enough, it was the uncanny repeated encountering of this number six in a repeated way, like we'd stay in a hotel and often it would be the sixth room on the sixth floor, room 606 kind of thing. That would come up again and again and again. And amongst other things, that led me to think that our relationship was meant to be. But the repeated sixes came up in other ways. Not planning it this way, but your mum and I became engaged at 6 o'clock on the 6th of June. No, I hadn't planned it that way. It was actually a range of chance events that led it to be at that time, but in retrospect it seemed to me to be very auspicious. But six years later, at 6 o'clock on the 6th of June, I was admitted to a psychiatric hospital with severe depression. Now, you don't plan the timing of that. And at the time, I was in a very dark space and I didn't even notice the time or date so much because when you're in that state of mind, you're not so well oriented. But afterwards, when I realised that that was at six o'clock on the 6th of June, this very auspicious time in my life, I couldn't help but feel that there might be something about going through that severe depression that was meant to be, that there might be some value that came from that. And that actually helped me greatly in dealing with that dark night of the soul. And funnily enough, having come through that, I would rate that as being one of the most helpful, in a sense worthwhile, albeit painful experiences of my life because I learnt so much about what it was like to be dealing with mental illness and emotional distress and depression. That helped me so much with my clients in the 30 years since, as much as anything else. So it was a very, in a sense worthwhile experience to have had even though I wouldn't wish it on anybody. So there's that aspect of how even in painful times it could be relevant but then I think often otherwise it can be fortuitous and I would use the example for example of Brett Whiteley looking at the bigger picture of synchronicity. Brett Whiteley of course the famous Australian artist when he was 13 years of age he was sitting in a chapel service at his school and he was bored He sees this book on the floor that someone had left behind. He picks it up and it turns out it's a book of Van Gogh paintings. He's absolutely captivated. He's captivated by the colours and the vibrancy. And later on he described it's like it connected with him at a soul level. But uncannily when he's looking through at some of the landscapes, he sees someone's written in two words, security and rebellion. And he remembers having a dream when he was five years of age of being in his mother's womb and seeing these two words on a wall, security and rebellion, and he had to choose between them. Well, I suppose we know what happened. He went more in the rebellious direction but became the most magnificent artist, and especially with his use of vibrant colour that was really enabled, if you like, by that synchronistic experience, something which he felt had led him to his calling. So I think that's an example of how there can be a bigger picture story in someone's life. What seems innocuous, being bored in a chapel service, seeing a book on the floor, and yet it led to that profound shift for him, leading him to his destiny, to his calling. 
Well, it seems to me from what you're saying there that there can be an element of recontextualization that can come from synchronicity or a synchronistic experience because there could be a number of things that, for example, are almost like dots that aren't connected and then something can happen a little way down the line that then connects the dots. Like I imagine looking back at, at that time being admitted to hospital, seeing it was on the 6th of the 6th, recognising that was the same time that you'd become engaged, I imagine there would have been a slight more maybe like meant to be aspect to it than there would have been before recognising that. Yes, very much so. So it can lead you to feel that you're still on a life path that is fitting or worthwhile for you, even if you can't see it. And so that relates to that expression I sometimes draw on from my grandmother, that life is like a jigsaw puzzle. The longer you live, the more you can see the jigsaw puzzle pieces fall into place. Now, some of these pieces at the time might look very dark or difficult or disastrous or traumatic, but it's also where they talk about post-traumatic growth. Sometimes you look back on an experience that was terrible at the time and you see that was a very significant factor in either the connections you made with other people or the direction that you went in with your work life or where you lived or something else that you changed. And so I think that gives you more of a sense of there being this, well, larger organising force, if you like. There's something else maybe happening that guides us in a certain way. And I'm reminded of Joseph Campbell's expression along the lines that you you mightn't particularly see the path that you're on all the time, but the path that you're on is the path that you're meant to be on. Now, he said it much more poetically and elegantly than that, but I think that kind of theme, to me, the longer I live and the more I hear people's stories from clients' stories in all sorts of different ways, it just seems so often there's some kind of pattern or order to people's lives that relates to the idea of destiny that the Greeks called daemon, the Romans called genius, not meaning being brilliant in your mind, but meaning this sense of destiny. In India, they might call it dharma. Many cultures have a term for calling as though some things relate to a life path, destiny that's meant to be. And I think synchronistic can illuminate that. And so then, Dad, how can you create more synchronicity or how can you induce more synchronicity in your life? Because, look, I must admit, it's been one thing that's been quite discouraging for me at times, for example, to not experience synchronicity for a period of time. Or, for example, if you are having a connection with someone and you feel that through a synchronistic experience, you can almost be like, you know, where are you? Where are you? Know, where are you, mate? Like, I wouldn't mind another one of those, you know, in a little while sort of thing. So it can be the sort of thing that, you know, you can't necessarily just kind of contrive it. You can't necessarily just produce it out of your hat. So how can you create more in your life? That's a very good question and observation in different ways. And I should preface what I say by describing that I've gone through many periods in my life for several months at a time of not experiencing synchronicity. But I suppose also, the older I've got, the more I do have a sense that if I haven't experienced synchronicity for quite a period of time, I may be a little less attuned at a deeper level to maybe what I might otherwise be on about. And funnily enough, since writing more about synchronicity and having more time to spend on things that are very important to me, I would say that I experience more of it. I experience it a fair bit more frequently than I might have on average, say, 10 years ago or 15 years ago. The more time's gone on, 
I find a little bit more consistent rather than coming in the bursts that it mainly used to. But in the first instance, I'd say the main thing is being open to it. Notice if something resonates with us. Just in a sense, be open to coincidences and what they might mean without having to force some kind of meaning or significance to it. And if we have some kind of coincidence or experience something that resonates with us, the expression I use is, notice what you notice. There might be something in the symbolism of it, like draw on your intuition to notice what stands out in that coincidence for you. And if you're not aware of anything in particular, just let it be in the back of your mind. So as Ross, my mentor, says, file it away. Let it be in the back of your mind because a meaning might not be obvious at the time, but allow it to come up later. I think also like, for example, having dreams or remembering dreams, we're going to remember dreams more or more easily if we record them. And I do think it's an advantage to record the little coincidences sometimes, even the little innocuous ones, because later on there might be some extra relevance that comes up. So generally what I encourage people to do is to be a bit attuned to what you do experience that way. And I'd also say if you do have a remarkable coincidence, I'd suggest telling someone about it. Because in telling the story about it, we're going beyond that, I suppose, inhibition about whether it seems weird or how the other person might react to it. We're making it, if you like, more acceptable to notice something at an intuitive level and let someone know. And that's one of the reasons why we encourage people to tell stories about synchronicity, to, if you like, break down that prejudice about things that might not seem quite so rational and just allow for that more intuitive awareness. But also at a deeper level, I'd say, well, if synchronicity is often like a tick from the universe that we're on the right track, then the way I take it is if I'm not experiencing it so much, it just leads me to wonder whether I've got maybe a little bit caught up in activities, I might be a bit burnt out, I might be a bit distracted. Certainly that period of time when I was depressed many years ago, I was not experiencing much synchronicity at all at the time for months on end. And no surprise, because if it's a tick from the universe that you're on the right track, or that's part of how it can work, then if you're not feeling on the right track, well, then maybe there might be less of that. But then I think it's also being attuned to that. If we get a sense in our lives that we're not getting so much of that vibrant encouragement or a sense of awe or interest or engagement with things, or if we're not so animated in certain ways or not experiencing synchronicity as much as we otherwise might I think it can be good sometimes to have a little bit of time out to reflect is there something potentially meaningful in our life that we're not doing is there something we could be doing a little bit differently I wouldn't overdo that too much or get too hung up on not experiencing synchronicity much but I do take that as a little bit of a guide because in my experience if I haven't experienced synchronicity for quite a while it's often I've got caught up in everyday affairs and the superficial demands of what's happening when I take time out or slow down or reflect that's when I'm more likely to experience synchronicity also I suppose when you're doing something a bit novel or different so for me I experience more of it when I'm traveling for example but in times when you're open to reflection so have time of being open to reflect and I suppose one thing as well from my own experience and feel free to comment on this as well but 
Oh, I imagine one thing as well is don't necessarily look to have your socks knocked off every day. <laughs> because, for example, the amount of times where, you know, you're just maybe pondering a question in a certain way or you're just wondering something. And, for example, something might come on TV that you weren't necessarily thinking of watching or someone might suggest a movie and it just you know, explores the, th- the exact themes that you're really wondering about in that situation or the amount of times that I've been recommended a podcast and you quite enjoy that particular podcast episode. So you go on to the next episode in that particular podcast and it's about a topic that, you know, is, is incredible to come across at that time. So it's not necessarily that each synchronistic experience is going to be something that really blows you away every time and, you know, makes you reassess where you're at and, I suppose, affirms your entire life direction. But there can just be, I suppose, little nudges here and there that you can either, I suppose, choose to notice or not notice, as you're saying, in terms of you can either watch a movie and just sort of watch it and enjoy it as a, a bit of an easy watch, or you can, I suppose, get into the themes and sort of saying, oh, well, like, what, why has this movie come at me now? I suppose, what is it trying to tell me? What is there in there that maybe is supposed to be coming my way at this time? So I suppose that would possibly be another thing as well in that you're not necessarily looking to, you know, find a book on the floor which is going to illuminate your whole life's calling. But at the same time, there can just be little things where you kind of go like, all right, yep, that's good to know there's someone looking over my shoulder in that case. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. And when it boils down to it, I suppose highlighting the starker or the more dramatic examples of synchronicity, I'm going to be more likely to focus on some of that when you're talking about it with people or looking to describe how it is. But I think, like you're saying, a lot of life progresses in a more uh, gentle, ordinary, everyday fashion, if you like. And the striking synchronicity is more uncommon. And they're like the major punctuation marks, if you like, that might come up in your life. And in a certain way. But I think if we are in a position to reflect or notice different ways that we relate to something beyond what meets our eyes, well, it can be a little bit like what a number of people from religious language might use if they say they have a sense of a guardian angel looking over them. But that doesn't mean that they're experiencing something miraculous or outstanding every single day. It's noticing the bigger picture and sometimes that give that level of faith or hope, if you like, that there is some kind of organisation in our lives, even if at times we can't see it so much at the time. But also, I think like you're saying, what often counts is just being aware in our own lives being open to our intuition and reflections in our own everyday lives. It doesn't have to be around coincidences or synchronicity. I think in a way what we're talking about is being prepared also to go within and notice what's within us because there's so much in our lives that get our attention outside of us, whether it be social media or busy demands of everyday life. Sometimes we can forget to go in and reflect. But it's just that preparedness to go in reflect and have some of that if you like intuitive awareness about how things are going for us you know touching base with ourselves so to speak I think any way of encouraging us to do that could be helpful it can even be at the end of each day thinking of three things that went well that day or something that was meaningful or worthwhile that happened that day that's another way of going inside and so I think that's one of the things that we look at in psychology that's healthy is having some time to go inwardly and reflect. And if we can do that with an optimistic perspective, all the better. Well, 
Thanks for chatting with me about this today, Dad. It's one that we've had on the back burner for a little while. We've been meaning to get into it, but it's good to finally get the opportunity. And I will just highlight to everyone as well, the website synchronicityunwrapped.com.au. So please feel free to go and check that one out because as we mentioned, there's a whole range of the stories, which are some of the, the richest parts of synchronicity is hearing people's experiences. And, and Dad, some of the ones that you've told me over the years have really knocked my socks off in certain ways. So I would invite everyone to go and check that one out. But of course, to check out the podcast page on the chrismackey.com.au website as well, like always, we'll pop up a number of resources up there. And Dad, thanks again. Look forward to chatting again next week. Thanks very much, Rowan, and I will mention, love hearing stories, and so people can write in with their stories through the website, through the synchronicityunwrapped.com.au, the contact page there. If people want to write in and tell me stories, then that's wonderful, really appreciate hearing about that, and um, thank you, Rowan, for indulging me in us talking about my favourite topic. I thought it was only fair if you gave me sport. I'm absolutely happy to get into a bit of synchronicity. Fair deal. (laughs) I'll see you next week. See you next week, Rowan.